In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Father Joe Miller once said in a sermon that the word to preach means to say again. A sermon that says something new, completely new, is usually proclaiming some kind of heresy. Every year about this time, I preach about giving money. This has been going on for 35 years, and I realize I never really say anything particularly new. I'm always saying the same thing. What I say every year is that the Bible calls us to tithe, to give back to God the first and best of what he gives to us. This is demonstrated in the offering of Abel in Genesis 4.4, the tithe of Abraham to Melchizedek in Genesis 14.20, Jacob's promise to tithe to God in Genesis 28.22, the command to tithe in the law of Moses, and God's rebuke to Israel in Malachi for the people's failure to tithe. Jesus commended the Pharisees for the practice of tithing, and the church from the beginning perpetuated the biblical pattern. The tithes of the people support the ministry of the church. The sense of tithing is summarized in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, which says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. This is not a prosperity gospel promise. It is rather the promise that God is faithful and will bless and provide for the faithful giver. The Bible calls us to be generous beyond the tithe, according to our ability to give. This kind of giving is referred biblically as a free will offering. The ability to give more depends upon the the resources of each particular person. When St. Paul collected such an offering from the Corinthians, he said that each person's giving was accepted by God according to what each one has, not according to what one does not have. For our offerings to be acceptable, they must be accompanied by the right attitude. St. Paul writes, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. By faithfulness in tithing and the practice of generosity, we are saved from the service of mammon. Tithing and generosity give tangible expression to our trust in God, to our faith. In response, we experience God's gracious provision for us. We are freed from anxiety about money, and we grow in our experience of God's peace and joy and in the practice of thanksgiving as we experience God's blessing. Today's lessons and the seasonal setting provide a context for our giving. In the gospel, Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's 
and unto God the things that are God's. And this can be misunderstood as saying that there are two different spheres of life. One is our life in the world where we work and pay taxes. And the other is our religious life, which is only concerned with spiritual things. This is not what Jesus meant. <clears throat> Jesus was addressing a nationalistic Jewish hope that longed for the kingdom to be restored to Israel so that the Jewish people would not have to pay taxes to foreign nations. Jesus taught that this would not happen immediately in the church. In the age of the Spirit, the time between Pentecost and the coming of Jesus, the kingdom of God will be present in the church and in her witness, but the church will continue to exist in a world where there are other governing authorities that are not the church. In the New Testament, <clears throat> render unto Caesar is articulated out as the duty of Christians to obey the civil authorities. In Romans 13, St. Paul says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And then he continues, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. This obedience is our witness to Christ. Governments rise and wane. In different eras and different places, Christians may be subject to hostile or friendly governments, but the Christian vocation remains the same. It is to bear witness to Christ by our obedience to the authorities that God has put in place. Faithfulness does not mean non-engagement. It is appropriate for Christians to participate in the political process according to their individual gifts and callings and circumstances. It is appropriate for Christians to advocate for things that are consistent with the values of the kingdom of God. However, the most important thing from the biblical perspective is how we go about advocating for things. Faithful witness is more important than result. We may or may not get what we want in the world, but we are called to be faithful in any event as we wait for the coming of our Lord, knowing that it is his verdict that we are really depending on and want. The point is that Caesar or the government is not a separate sphere from the realm of faith. The public arena is the place of witness, faithful witness to Christ, both in what we stand for and how we advocate for it, matter more than the result. When we lose sight of that priority, we become unfaithful in our witness and we will be held accountable for that by our Lord. This leads into today's epistle. St. Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will change our lowly body and make it like his glorious body. Philippi was a Roman colony, a city where the Roman government housed highly patriotic, retired military personnel. St. Paul was reminding the Christians in Philippi that their true allegiance was to another country, no matter how fond they were of their earthly country. And this is an appropriate reminder for us. We live in a country full of patriotic people, and patriotism tempts us to reverse the priorities, to view American citizenship as the primary thing, and to view the kingdom of God as something that exists to help restore or improve or reform some vision of America. Thus, the church comes to serve the goal of the American enterprise. This temptation is fueled by the need for particular results in this world. This causes many people to pay too much attention to the anxious daily cycle of news, fixating on the crisis of each day. And this causes some Christians to become angry, anxious, and fearful, as though their joy and their peace depended upon Sacramento or Washington and not the Lord Jesus Christ, for whose coming we eagerly wait. This anxiety, anger, and fear is inefficient because it causes Christians to forget how heavenly citizens influence this world. The Bible, from beginning to end, makes it clear that our real influence in this world comes from our prayer and from our faithful witness in it. When we allow the world to pull us away from both of these things, we lose our real influence and we come to be filled with the anxiety of the world rather than the peace of God. Jesus is coming to judge the world. As Psalm 96 says, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. God's judgments are carried out in response to the prayers of his people. As we gather around the altar to offer our prayers to God, we exercise our vocation as a kingdom of priests, as Revelation chapter 1, verse 6 says. We rule with Christ through our prayer, and our prayer is complemented by our faithful witness in the world which flows out of our prayer. In response to our prayer and faithfulness, Jesus promises to vindicate us, to judge in our favor. His judgments are revealed within history, but they will be fully revealed when he appears in person at the end of the age. We are in the octave of All Saints. All Saints was a Monday ago, and we observed the feast for the eight days of the octave. All Saints reminds us that the communion of the saints is our most important political membership. 
our most eternally influential political contributions are those we make to the kingdom of God. By offering back to God the tithe, we commit all we have to God and his kingdom. By the continual practice of generosity, we proclaim continually our freedom from the world, from the love of money, and from the lie that material things will make us happy. Our giving to the kingdom of God is the best investment we make. This world is passing away, and the tenuous nature of this world and its money have never been more evident. In contrast, there is eternal significance to our mission as a church, to our witness for Christ in the world, and to our status as heavenly citizens. As Jesus said in Luke 12, 33 and 34, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.